Boom. This is Rebootable Local Perspective, streaming to you live from the Twin Line and Republic of Trinidad and Tobago on Kingdom Purpose TV and Radio, we, where we approach the New Testament via the lens of the ancient hero perspective of the scriptures, verified, of course, by our pragmatic and experimental research carried out under the Zane KK International Institute of Pneumatology. I am your host, Zane Alfoyo, the Christ Pneumatologist, and co-hosting with me, of course, is the lovely... I am Lady Katsuro, your Christ Mentor. Welcome to another exciting episode. We are really thrilled to be here today. We're going to dive into a topic that um, I think our audience probably has never heard the con- this particular context. Last week, we introduced self-existence. And today, we're going to touch on the story of David and Goliath and bring that into context. When, you finish, when we are finished with this episode, I guarantee you will have a clearer understanding of how you can apply self-existence to your life and experience peace. So to bring context to self-existence or further add to what Zane would have shared last week, we are going to go to the book of Samuel today, go over a very popular narrative. But before we do so, Zane, could you just remind our listeners, those who are probably joining for the first time, what is self-existence? So last week in particular, we actually dived into this. We actually um, dove into this whole concept of self-existence in the Bible and the human conundrum, the human condition, right? And we mentioned that this is just a, a, a brief recap, of course, but we mentioned that when man was creating the image and likeness of, of God, he was creating the night. He was actually creating the image and likeness of Yahweh Elohim. Yeah. which means actually the self-existent and the eternal authority and power, right? And he, which meant that he was actually God's breath breathed into flesh, into dust, becoming a living organism. And um, in doing that, he, be, he, was, he was designed to function from the realities of what God breathed into him. Everything that actually God thought about himself was breathed into this, into this dust, becoming flesh. And man in particular was designed to function from the authority and everything that God thought about himself, which was in his breath. And when man made the decision to eat from the purely knowledge of good and evil, it was actually a decision to use, instead of actually using his, what God breathed into him as his nature, as the point of reference to make decisions, to to live and to and to uses his reference point for his words, his thoughts, and his deeds, he, by eating from that tree, chose to use the flesh, his body, the dust, as the tool to discern what is functional and dysfunctional, the senses of the body. Mm-hmm. And that inverted the process, corrupting his nature. And that in particular is what Christ Yeshua has actually come to fix, to restore. All right. So basically, Christ came to restore the nature, bring us back all into self-existence. Right, exactly. Awesome. Now that, that was a really nice recap. Thank you so much for sharing that. So now that we have some context to self-existence, let's look at 1 Samuel 17. I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible. This, the name of the narrative here is Goliath's Challenge. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and were assembled at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. 
and they come between Sokoth and Azika in Ephes Damim. Wow, some names there. Yeah. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they camped in the valley of Elah and assembled, assembled in battle in formation to meet the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on the mountain on one side and Israel was standing on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and upon a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor overlapping metal plates, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. Mm. He had bronze shin protectors on his legs and a bronze javelin hung between his shoulders. The wooden shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. The blade head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron, and a shield bearer walked in front of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the battles of battle lines of Israel, saying to them, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not the Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then he will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the battle lines of Israel this day. Give me a man so that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of the Ephraphite. He had to pronounce that pronunciation of yeah. Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among them. His three older sons had followed Saul into battle. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next Abinadab, and third Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine, Goliath, came out morning and evening and took his stand for forty days. Then Jesse said to David his son, Take your brothers an epap of this roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and run quickly to the camp to your brothers. And also take these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing and bring news, bring back news of them. Now they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistine. So here's a good part. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with a keeper, picked up the provisions and went just as Jesse had directed him. And he came to the encampment as the army was going out in battle formation, shouting the battle cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle formation, army against army. Then David left his provisions in the care of the supply keeper and ran to the ranks and came and greeted his brothers. As he was talking to them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words again, and David heard him. When the men of Israel all saw the man, they fled from him, and they were very frightened. Hmm. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. The king will reward the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter in marriage, and make his father's house free from taxes and service in Israel. 
Then David spoke to the man who was standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace of his taunting from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? Hmm. The men told him, that is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he said to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? <laughs> I know your presumption, overconfidence, and evil of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Well, yes, 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 actually, yes, he has sense there. He always getting blamed away. It looks so. Was it well, not just a harmless? Sorry. No, go ahead. Was it not just a harmless question? Then David turned away from Eliab to someone else and asked the same question. And the people gave him the same answer as the first time. When the words that David spoke were heard, the men reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. David mm. said to Saul. Let no man's courage fail because of him, as Goliath. Your servants will go out and fight with the Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you were only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and attacked it, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, may the Lord be with you. Mm. And Saul dressed David in his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and put a coat of mail armor on him. And David fastened his sword over this, his armor, tried to walk, but he could not because he was not used to them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these because I am not used to them. So David took them off. Then he took his shepherd's staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones out of the stream bed and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, that is, in his shepherd's pouch. With his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came and approached David, with his shield bare in front of him. When the Philistine looked around and saw David, he derided and disparaged him because he was just a young man with a ruddy complexion and Look. a handsome appearance. <laughs> The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with the shepherd's staff? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. How graphic. Mm. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with the sword 
or with despair, for the battle is in the Lord's, is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. When the Philistine arose and came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Alright, so we're going to pause here for a moment. Mm -hmm. And now this is, I mean, it's a graphic story. <laughs> At the same time, there are lots of contexts that are usually applied to this. Today we're going to take a different... Um, approach in interpreting what we're reading here and uh, my question to you is now based on what you shared with us last week and, and the we went back to the garden of eden we had a look at that narrative on how the man was functioning in self-existence which is in the image and yahweh of god right. how does this garden narrative um the function there have any relation to this story here with david and goliath well, this actually, this story here has every relation with the Garden of Eden and how man was created and, and what took place with man. So I want to actually highlight about three things here that would pretty much revamp your perspective of how you're watching at this narrative, as well as our, as our dear listeners. Right? Number one, in particular, you notice that the word Lord in this, in, in this narrative here is capitalized, right? And the, the word Lord, as it is capitalized, is actually a translation of what is actually a translation of the name Yahweh. Right? Now, there's much debate on whether the name is Yahweh or not, but this is this that right there is actually very much irrelevant to what we're talking about. Which means every time you see Lord, you see that is actually the presence of the name Yahweh. Now, there's something that is very much, very much unknown in the westernized world with regards to names in the bible and particularly god's name that is we just as we actually we in our westernized culture we are actually accustomed using names from the perspective we are accustomed using names from the perspective of designations all right when i say designations you use it as a designation to be able to identify something as separate from from another. Names in the, in, in the Bible, in the culture and the spirit of the scriptures is not used in the same capacity. What you'll find here is that names here pretty much um, in the Bible are actually used in a, or is, 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 it is not confined to a designation to be able to identify this person as independent of another or separate from another names in the bible also communicate essence and it also communicates function right it communicates essence and function which means that when you're reading this here instead of re reading the word lord in the context of okay this re this is referring to god the person of god it should be read understanding that this is actually a function a name that indicates essence and function. In other words, this brings me to point number two. In other words, when you're reading this text, every time it actually says 
Yahweh, it is an indication of the self-existent function and the self-existent perspective, which is directly tied to the original identity of man in the Garden of Eden, Yahweh Elohim, which is the self-existent and the eternal, the, the authority and the power. In, in, in bringing that into context, what you actually realize, what you actually realize is that the, the names being used here in the Bible also indicate functionality in the narrative. Now, if man, before he fell, before he actually ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden narrative, was created to function self-existently, which is functioning from his spirit or his breath, what has been breathed into him, then, and sorry, if that was that, that if that is how you function, then after he began to function codependently by using the dust or his flesh as the tool of discernment to determine what is functional or from what is dysfunctional, what to do and what not to do. When reading this text, the presence of the name Yahweh means that anybody who is actually functioning according to the name of Yahweh is actually functioning self-existently in the narrative, which places everybody else in the narrative in codependent function. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That's so good. Yeah, because when you actually um what what gives us the the what what gives us the indication of that is the fact that in verse 16 the scriptures is actually so fascinating that you're reading this and you and you and you're missing these simple details that is actually taken away from the awesomeness of this passage and actually showing how the person who is actually functioning in the name of Yahweh, in the function, the essence of Yahweh, the perspective of Yahweh really, that self-existent perspective is actually walking in not only God but in, but in the original perspective and everybody else is actually approaching the situation from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What, what what gives us the the indication here of, in that in particular is that you notice in verse, six, verse 16 it actually says that the philistine goliath came out morning and evening and took his stand for 40 days right which means in the context and in the spirit and culture of the scriptures this 40 days here is a deliberate mention by the prophet that wrote the script here to tie this situation right back to the 40 days that Israel spent walking, um, the 40 years, sorry, that Israel spent walking through the wilderness. Wow, okay. Right, it's tying the whole concept to the story. And what really took place in the narrative, what really took place in the, in, in, in the wilderness, again, not many of us in the westernized will read the scriptures through the functionality of the name, because the name is actually there in the capacity of a title Every place that Israel journeyed from, from Egypt through the through the through the Red Sea to Sinai to Paran to Moab and then finally to Canaan, each one of those names not only function as designations to label the location, the geographical location, but in the culture and spirit of the scriptures, it also indicates function, which means it indicates the atmosphere or the function of each particular place in the narrative. 
Now, if you flew, if you just consider the the the, the journey of is of Israel from Egypt to Canaan, one of the things that you'd realize is that just after they crossed the Red Sea, they came out of Egypt and they crossed and and they crossed the seas. They went to Sinai, which is where they received the law of God. Now, here's which 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 actually brings me to another point. Um, so, 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 um, so, so, try to keep up with us here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which means when they went to get to the, when they went and received the, the commandments, which is the law of the Lord, the phrase, the law of the Lord in the Bible is the translation of the Hebrew, of the Hebrew phrase, the Torah of Yahweh. And the word Torah is translated and can be understood as precept. What we call what they call precepts can also be referred to as a principle. So Torah is principle. So when we see the right. law of the Lord, what we're looking at is the precept of Yahweh, or the Torah of Yahweh, which is the principle of the self-existent. Which means that when Israel went there, they received when they received Sinai, they received the perspective. Of the self-existent function, which was the original identity of man before eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they received that principle of the self-existent, they received it as pretty much not as a divine law that was imposed upon them, but it was presented to them by Moses as a representative of God here. And they had to agree to this covenant, to this contract. Right? That is clearly written in the book of Exodus. And when they agreed to this contract, they actually decided to take on the name of Yahweh as their own, which is why in the Bible you notice it says that um, that if my people who are called by my name to walk in the name of God here was actually to walk in the function, in the title and function of God, which was what the entire Torah or the law expressed, the perspective of of the person who full lives from the breath self-existently and not using their five senses to determine what is right from what is wrong or this function and this function I'm, I'm saying all of this to say, yeah i'm saying all of this to say that when they went to the wilderness the term paran in the bible actually etymol the etymology of that of that term refers to glorification which means their 40 years in the wilderness was the place where just as just as just as explained and defined in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in particular that gives context to the wilderness they they walking through the wilderness was the place where they choose whether they glorify the self-existent perspective or they glorify their codependent perspective it was 40 years of being in the valley of decision, basically, or rather in the wilderness of decision. Are you going to choose God's perspective as your own? Or are you going to choose your codependent perspective as your own? Which means that I'm saying, and, and I'm saying all of that to, to now tie it back to this narrative. Which means when we see verse 16 that says the Philistine Goliath came out morning and evening and took his stand for 40 days. And the church and the armies of Israel stood there for 40 days. It pretty much brings to light that the, the army of Israel was not functioning from the principle of the self-existence, which is trusting God's law. 
and what on, on God's perspective, they were there using their five senses, their senses of their body, to determine what was actually going to work from what was not going to work. Which is why they were like driven, fear driven, pretty much, because they stood there without exactly. making any moves. Exactly. So when <laughs> when when David there now he goes out there and he goes out there in the name of Yahweh. It separates him as the only person that is functioning in the function and seeing the situation through the perspective of God and looking at it through the functional perspective of the self-existent and places everybody else as those eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and unable to deal with the situation because using the physical senses as a uh, tool of discernment is actually your subjective perspective and not God's and not the perspective of God, nor, nor is it the perspective through which the power of God flows. Wow. So what you're basically sharing there is that David got up and he went because he had a reference point, something that right. he was using as his guide that determined what is, in that case, functional yeah in that case what was functional and you're saying that pretty much now you mentioned the torah a while ago does this have anything to do with the torah i mean if if they're actually under the law well, well definitely no because their nature was pretty much corrupted which is which is actually confirmed by by the apostle peter in his letter if their nature was corrupted the press the given of the, the giving of the law which is actually giving of the perspective of the principle of the self-existent which was the nature and the perspective and the function of the man before he ate from the tree of the knowledge of God and even in, in the garden. Now, because the nature was actually, um, it was it was corrupted by that function, by using the, the, the body, the dust, the, the body made of dust as the tool of discernment to know what to do and what not to do. They were given this law as a reference point to be able to live through God. In other words, the covenant or the contract was pretty much a mechanism that was given to help them or to hold them responsible to their original identity and their original function until the Messiah came or until the Messiah would come. Okay, I see. I see. All right. What you're saying makes sense. Right. So, 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 so when David... Go ahead, go ahead. Actually, what I was going to say is that you're unpacking quite a bit here, something that we should definitely take a minute or two to ruminate on. Right. <laughs> so what we're going to do is just pause for a break. I'm going to return. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to add to the perspective of the self-existence. Definitely, because there's a lot to take out of this here for even your personal life and how you deal with situations in your life. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing about it then. This is Reboot Your Biblical Perspective talk show on Kingdom Purpose TV and Radio, where we approach the New Testament via the lens of the ancient Hebrew perspective of the scriptures, verified by our pragmatic and experimental research on the Zain Keketura International Institute of Pneumatology.
Be sure to follow this talk show as well as many other dynamic talk shows on Kingdom Purpose TV and radio at www.kingdompurposetv.com forward slash kingdom dash purpose dash radio. You can also find content by Zane and Katura on YouTube, ZKI, International Institute of Pneumatology. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell. Or follow us and subscribe at www.internationalinstituteofpneumatology.com. You can also find their books on Amazon.com. Search for author R.C. Pierre and check out The Alchemy of the Sons of God and you are Elohim, among others. All right, welcome back to the second half of the episode. We started off on a really good note, bringing into context. Well, actually, Zane started to bring out in layers for us the context of the story of David and Goliath and how it relates to the Israelites and their journey in Paran. And even the 40 days that they spent there as a nation in the arm, um, against the army, well, pretty much being complacent <laughs> against the army of the Philistines. So Zane, you were sharing something before we went on the break that relates to basically David functioning according to the principle of the self-existence, which is the principle of the Torah. You were going to add something a bit juicy a while ago, so I'm going to give the mic back to you so that you can add to what our viewers already have. Yeah, so when when we look at this here in particular, this, this is such an amazing, exciting, and just an exhilarating display of how the perspective of the tree of the of the knowledge of good and evil would cause you to stand not knowing what to do no power depending on everything but god <laughs> and and actually how the person that has decided to approach the situation trusting in what god god has said is the person that the power or the holy spirit is actually functioning through to bring a solution to the situation that your codependent perspective cannot even fathom right? and what we see here is you notice in the separation and and and, and, in, and in bringing the, this narrative into context what you actually what, what the what the prophet who wrote this was trying to actually show is how those who live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would look at everything and and actually come to the realization that they cannot do it so they give him armor they give him they give him sword they give him weapons right and they stand out there and thinking well this man is decided and imagine him according to the five senses and just and they're doing all of this and just within the torah in itself in deuteronomy 28 under the list of curses in, in deuteronomy 28 do you know that in the Torah itself, which they were supposed to learn and know to walk in the covenant and to walk in the covenant of God, it says one of the curses there actually says that you will be driven mad by the things that you see. So what you're basically sharing with us is that the entire army of the Philistines were not functioning according to the same Torah 
that they were that they committed themselves to because i mean it was an agreement right exactly they were they were dysfunctional which now as you mentioned a while ago that a name is not just um just basically um as we know in in the western world something that you you see just it's a label pretty much are you saying then that david who decided to function in the name of god was the one who pretty much i'd say in our in our in our lingo the hand of god in the situation here almost definitely because what he what he is what 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 he decided to do because once they actually came into this contract and they began to use this contract as pretty much the user's manual to to walk in the name of god and to live in the name of god they became well in the name of god that name in particular in the bible is actually paralleled with presence and we know in the bible also parallels the holy spirit with presence so name equals presence presence equals holy spirit name equals holy spirit <laughs> right so to walk in god in the name of god here is actually to walk and to live through the holy spirit just like all prophets and priests and and the prophets who would function in the name of god which which was made evident by saying thus says yahweh in this case took his time to present this entire scenario and showed how disadvantageous it is to live from your five senses and not from what the voice of god says which to them was the torah right so i'm listening to what you're saying and what i'm what i'm hearing is that david pretty much was the only person at that point in time who made a decision to actively function not by his five senses which is probably the army i'm not too sure if it was stated there but i'm guessing it may have the their numbers were great and they were pretty much judging their abilities based on goliath's size because they mentioned his height for a particular reason what you're saying there pretty much is david decided to function according to what is written so he had an objective reference point and he went out and made moves made making that action plan then not driven by his five senses and what you are saying is that that is pretty much what self-existence looks like yeah he was a very good demonstration of what using god's voice or god's word was um to them as a reference point for his words his thoughts and his actions now i see and i'm sure our listeners are now getting a better context as to where david's strength came from <laughs> you know because growing up i always thought that david was someone who just had this boldness about him like i just thought it was part of his his being you know some people you have the opinion that they are actually stronger and bolder what you're identifying here is that david's strength came from something and, and in this case it came from the principle of the self-existence most definitely and to, to even add to what you're actually pointing out there's a great takeaway from this entire narrative because if you notice david's response to saul he speaks about the lion and the bear and all of these things and basically the takeaway that i want to actually present to all our listeners here is you're looking at someone who lived 
doing what he was doing and spent a lot of time on what the voice of God is, what God's perspective is through understanding the law. Spent a lot of time doing that and over and overcame using that as his perspective, using that as his reference point for his thoughts, for what he would say, and what he would do. And the takeaway here is for everybody who's actually listening to us, to everyone tuning in to Kingdom Purpose TV and Radio, we are so we are so blessed to actually have you tuning in with us. And this is the takeaway that I would like to actually drive home for for all of for all of you listeners is that you're looking at someone who is actually make it made spent more time on what God said instead of on what everything else said on what and in this case spent more time on what God said and less time on what Goliath said <laughs> what do you think about that I think it makes perfect sense the way you put it because I'm just reflecting as well on my own life and thinking that a lot of situations now people have used used this story in particular as a form of motivation but putting it into objective context what I realize is that a lot of times there are situations that I may have encountered in the past that seemed bigger than myself and the root cause of that problem based on what you're sharing is that I may have spent more time on deliberating and pondering on what other people said on the tv the news or whatever external factors that there may have been available to make as reference points versus if i really wanted to conquer it as people would say as david conquered goliath my decision should have been to spend more time pondering on what is true in this case what is a representation of self-existence to actually have something to hold on to to do like david did and pursue it then yeah definitely and um one of the another takeaway that you're looking at here is the fact that this guy came in and when he heard this is so amazing because you see jesus do the same thing when he heard what goliath was saying and goliath is actually of the perspective of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is he's using his five senses to, deter, to discern what is function and dysfunction. In this case, he's bigger, he's stronger. And so he's using that as the point of validation and the point that he's using for his strength to approach. And here is this young guy who does not have the same stature of the Israelite armies, the army. He approaches this, this, this situation. And this is something very interesting. He listens to what he hears, rather, what Goliath is saying, and questions, who is this man? Who, what? Who are you? What are you? <laughs> and he's actually doing that through the lens of the Torah, which is the prince of the self-existent. So he's actually functioning in the spirit, in this case. He's, he's holding on to the name of Yahweh as his own. And, and watching the situation through the lens of what God said in that contract. And pretty much challenges this man's perspective because he understands 
you are nothing. You are speaking from your own perspective and the spirit and name of Yahweh is where all things lie. So you need a lesson in where you in where your place is, big boy. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you know, to add to what you're saying, I noticed something, and please correct me here, that David actually did not wait on God. Where, you know, the the there's a particular um context to waiting on God. And in this story here, we see that David actually pursues David. He challenges his perspective, as you said. And then he takes up the stone and he walks towards Goliath. It is an excellent demonstration of how he uses God's perspective at the reference point for his words, his thoughts, his thoughts, his words, and his deeds. And this is actually what walking in the spirit is, as Paul even now puts it in the context of walking in the spirit. It's simply animating what God has said. So I have a question here. Probably our listeners are thinking the same thing as it relates to our personal life. Now, we know that um, David in particular, they pretty much had a contract with God as it relates to the Torah. Now, we who are part of a new covenant, where does that put us as to walk self-existent? Like, you know, people are experiencing different things and probably are wondering how to apply this to their lives. What does that look like? That is an awesome and very relevant question what you what you're pretty much asking there is how to walk in the spirit yeah pretty much yes yeah and one of the things i realized that that's actually most evident in our westernized culture is our context of spirit has led us off in directions that is pretty much found us in in locations that is outside of the realm of what the scriptures are the scriptures are communicating so just to hone it in for those of us who are actually reading this narrative, and I encourage you to read this narrative through the lens of what we just identified here. And you see how how much this narrative is actually communicating to you for those of you who may be experiencing situations, whether in your marriage, on your job, you're stressed, you're depressed, you're experiencing depression, you're anxious, you're living in fear. This narrative here, through the lens of what we have just brought to light, would bring to, to light how much you are experiencing exactly what the scripture says, that you are driven, you're being driven mad by the things that you see. And just to hone it into the scripture, um, hone it into the context of the scriptures, the word spirit in particular is actually what the Bible refers to as breath. When we say the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Breath. And that breath in particular is pretty much charged with God's thoughts about himself. And that spirit and that breath is what you're breathing. Jesus, through what he did, by nailing that perspective back to the tree from which the, the perspective was taken, restored the breath of life in you. And so to walk in the spirit is simply to re, to 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 understand what exactly has been breathed into you. Now the spirit of Christ, or the spirit in this case, the Holy Spirit here in this case, the spirit of Christ is a reference as the spirit of the Messiah. He is referred to as the Savior of the body. 
which means that the spirit of Christ that you have in you is the same breath of life that was originally breathed into the man in the Garden of Eden. And so to walk in the spirit is simply to understand what has been breathed into you. And you can understand by watching any and every promise of God in the Bible. Because the same breath that you're breathing, the same breath that is in you, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath, is the same spirit that said every promise in the scriptures. Therefore, your breath has the capacity. If the spirit speaks in his nature, then your breath has the capacity to reproduce every promise. So if you're asking how to walk in the spirit in this case, it's simply to understand, to identify the promises of God that are not just external of you. You are the walking manifestation of these promises. Everything that God has said is in you. And it's simply to acknowledge, identify what has been breathed into you, acknowledge it, and think, speak, and act on the inspiration of that. That is walking in the Spirit 101. Boom. What a nice way to end this, this episode. That is a lovely answer. I'm sure well, that's actually exactly what we saw David in the narrative demonstrate with Goliath. Thank you so much for sharing that theme. We are so we are in this in this covenant so much in a better position than than David because David actually had to because he was a descendant of the of the of the corrupted nature he actually had to refer to the Torah as the user's manual for the name on the, and the name of God that he took on as his own in 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 line with what with with uh, with this contract and with this covenant Christ in particular has nailed that 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 that, that corruption back to the tree via the cross and now the same breath of life that was in the garden narrative prior to the eating of the tree of good and evil is the same breath of life in us therefore it's simply to learn christ or to learn the breath of life does that make sense yes it does it makes sense yeah so for everyone who is actually listening to this we encourage you to Take stock at this 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 excerpt of scripture there and see that most of your challenges may be because you are actually using your five senses, the breath, as the sorry, the five senses of the body, the body, the physical body, as the tool to discern what is functional, what is function, what is dysfunctional, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And that is what the, the, the Apostle Paul refers to as walking in the flesh, basically. So we, we, I encourage you to review this and consider. Because all it, is, all it simply takes is a, is, a, is a change of perspective. Do you want to continue to walk codependently as this entire army of Israel stood up there paralyzed because of this huge, this huge character? Or are you going to be like David, who gives precedent and priority to what God has said and goes there which is words, thoughts and deeds inspired by what has been breathed into him and takes down this man like our boss I saw him. I know for sure I don't want to be like the, the Israelite army <laughs> 
David for me. Yeah, so this is food for thought. Review this review this passage. Review this passage. All right, we want to shout out a huge shout out to Kingdom Purpose TV and Radio. We are very much um blessed to be here. And it is our pleasure to actually come on to the platform, this this radio station, and share what we have actually been doing at the, at the International Institute of Pneumatology and see what and actually bring the treasure of the scriptures to, uh, of the scriptures to you. So we encourage you to push the power button on the hard drive of your spiritual and scriptural understanding and reboot a biblical perspective. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please feel free to search Kingdom Purpose TV on Facebook. You can also check them on their website um, to hear more of their awesome and dynamic episodes of the other um, the, uh, the other segments also. And if you want to get in direct contact with Ketura and myself, you can also visit us online at www.internationalinstituteofneumatology.com or search us on Facebook, Zine K. Ketura, International Institute of Pneumatology. Until next week, same time, same channel, same Christ episode, rebooting your biblical perspective. Boom. And before, and before we go, we just want to actually shout out those of you who have actually joined us online. We want to shout out our precious and most holy sister, Patty Sutton, who is actually um, joining us on live. Hannah Lyota Johnson for joining in with us. Shout out to Vince Allen. All right. Blessings and much love, brother. Thank you for actually tuning in with, um, I'm tuning in uh, with us. Signing out. Much love and peace. <laughs>